Welcome to the Best of Seven. I'm Kyle Coster. I'm here with Liam McHugh, and we are going through our best NFL picks for the weekend. Because it's the Best of Seven, we're going to give you seven of them. Follow along. It's not that hard. Liam, we did not have a great week last time out, and I got to be honest, we were on a slide for about three weeks here, and it's kind of getting late in the game. We're going to have to perform at a somewhat decent level in order to finish over 500 because we all know that's the barometer we're not losing people a lot of money we're not winning them any money but we certainly don't want to have the disaster and as a fan of many Detroit Lions teams let me tell you I'm very perceptive of the moment where the wheels start to fall off and I just want to say at the outset of this podcast do you have any concern that we're at that moment right now? Uh, no, I actually feel really confident we're going to finish out this season strong. This is the time of year when we have a very good idea, I think, of what kind of quality teams are you know, going to show up every week. Obviously, weeks 9 to 11, I think a lot of people took some strong hits there. You know, find me a book who picked Texans over Colts last week. But, you know, I think you're right. We've been on a little bit of a slide. This is when things start to steady out for the NFL, and thus they start to steady out for us. I'm feeling good, and we still haven't fallen below 500 since I think it was like week six or something, so we're on a good streak there at the very least. All right, well, why don't you lead us off with the number seven pick since you came into this Zoom call brimming with optimism? <laughs> well, my number seven pick is a fairly easy one that even the, uh, even the most pessimistic can buy into. It's Buccaneers favored by two and a half over the Colts. I mean, it's pretty easy there. That's the Colts, very impressive against the Bills. Very impressive. But everybody knows to this point in the season, as you can tell from watching any ESPN NFL segment, Jonathan Taylor is the reason this Colts team is good. And for all of the Buccaneers' defensive woes this year, stopping the run is actually the one, one area of their defense where they are consistently good and have been all season. I'm not saying they shut down Taylor entirely. I think that kid is too talented for that. But I do think that it's not going to be another five touchdown day for sure. They're going to limit him enough to make it an easier win. And this line, two and a half, I mean, you really think I, the Bucks are going to win by a field at least. I think that's good money. I don't really buy into this Colts resurgence that's happened over the last couple of weeks if Taylor can take over and dominate a game. And so I like Bucks at two and a half. Yeah, I think that that's the right pick here. I disagree. I do believe in the Colts resurgence, and it's not really a matter about them. I think that they've discovered a really fantastic formula. It's more about the Buccaneers. Last night, they were a little bit slow out of the gate, but they responded and they took care of business. And I think that with the buy up for grabs and the buy having so much significance in this year's NFL, I think you're going to see Tom Brady take care of his side of the street pretty routinely down the stretch, maybe only one more loss. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that Tampa Bay is the one who gets the clearest path to the Super Bowl. So this is a really big game to them in a lot of ways, because I think almost anything going down the stretch is going to be like a playoff game in the way that the system is set up this year. It's very, very important to get that by Tom Brady. Yes. He's ageless. He doesn't 
get deterred by a hard path, but you don't want him playing that extra game. I think that extra game is just another opportunity for an injury. It's all about minimizing the path of resistance. The number six pick for us this week is the Ravens. Four-point favorites at home against the Browns. Now, this line obviously reflects the uncertainty about Lamar Jackson. I don't know if I need Lamar Jackson to even take it at this point because I have no confidence in the Browns. Their performance against the Lions last week was not as gross as the one the Steelers turned in the previous week, but it was a pretty reasonable facsimile. It was an homage, an ode, if you will. Baker Mayfield, you can say that there's no problems, but I think that like his wife putting that on Instagram, like I can't believe she did that. Obviously, that's the conversation that's going on at home or she wouldn't have felt comfortable sharing that in the public. I think that this team is in free fall. I don't think that Baker is healthy enough to win football games against other good teams. That's going to be a problem. That's nothing against him. That's just a health-related thing. On the other side, you have the Ravens, who I believe still have the best offensive coordinator in football. You have a willingness to run the football. You have Hollywood Brown at wide receiver who can get open even for a lesser quarterback. I think that this one, considering that's a tough divisional game, the Browns won't be sneaking up on anybody. The Ravens need it for the playoff chase. All the signs are pointing to Baltimore for me, and I think that this line, it feels more like it should be a touchdown, especially if Lamar plays. So right now with the uncertainty, it's probably better than the sixth pick on the board. So if you can get it and you bank on Lamar playing, then you got great value as a backup plan. If he doesn't, I think that you still go into the game thinking this isn't going to be a disaster. Yeah, especially that last point there is hammered home because this game is in Baltimore. I mean, Tyler Huntley is not the second coming of Kurt Warner, your favorite other NFL backup who surprised everybody. But John Harbaugh at home against a divisional rival, with the knowledge that if the Ravens continue to take care of business, they will somehow, some way, be in the running for the top seed in the AFC, despite the myriad injuries that they've faced this year. I do not have faith in a really banged up Baker Mayfield to keep this game particularly close, Huntley or Jackson. Uh, and at the end of the day, I mean, these, this Browns team, they're kind of, they're on the edge. And this is a divisional matchup. The Ravens know exactly where the Browns at. They relish these games. I think it's really good money to take the Ravens to give that the Browns that last final push there over the edge and into the abyss of yet another lost season. The number five pick for the week is not a particularly risky one, but that is part of the point of these here podcasts and our picks and predictions columns. We make the easy ones for you. We have Eagles favored by three and a half over the Giants. I personally think it's time that we start thinking of the Eagles as a good football team. I don't know if they're a great football team, but the first couple of weeks of the season, they were really floundering. They didn't really have an offensive identity. They have now found it. And that offensive identity is pounding the rock with reckless abandon. These guys put up 242 yards on the ground last week against the New Orleans Saints, who up until that game, had been giving up an average of 73 yards per game on the ground. They dominated the best 
defensive line in football. The Giants do not have the best defensive line in football. I think that this is not going to be a close game. I think that despite the fact that the Eagles favor the run game so heavily, they still managed to put up big point totals. The last couple of weeks proved that much. This is not a team winning close 10 to three, uh, you know, grind them out games. This is a team that can put up points in bunches while running rampant over their opponents. I really, really like three and a half points there. I think it's a pretty safe bet that the Eagles win by a touchdown, especially with how the Giants looked against the Bucks last night. It's looking like another inept season for them. I got to go Philly. Yeah, I think that the measure of a man is to admit when he made a mistake. And I think that I misjudged this Philadelphia team. I was very low on them, hated what they were doing, didn't think that they had a future, thought Sirianni was kind of like Ted Lasso without the success. But in recent weeks, it's kind of seemed like, okay, maybe they are building something here. You know, in that division outside the Cowboys, I'm not sure you can say any of the teams have it together week to week. Philadelphia probably has it the most together week to week. Uh, and, and maybe they could get it on par with Dallas going down the stretch if the Cowboys spin out based on this Chiefs loss, you know, how, how things can compound. So, yeah, I really like what they're doing. I like that they have an identity. That I like that, that they have an ethos. I think that Jalen Hurts is a person who in the right system can be really, really good. And it seems like they're getting closer to figuring out what that system is. So I like Philadelphia a lot in this game. Great pick. Number four, a game that you're going to bet on it. You don't have to watch it. There's some absolute dog babies out there this week. It is the Texans as three point favorites over the Jets. And let me tell you, Bad, bad football. But Houston went in and notched one of the biggest victories of the season on the road against the Titans, outplaying them, out physicaling them, looking like I don't even understand. It's like they were wearing, it was a bunch of imposters wearing uniforms. It was some sort of like shady, underhanded dealings. And when I see something like that, when I see a shocking result from a bad team, I like to ride them and I like to take them the next week as well, because maybe they captured something. If they captured it for one week, there's a chance they could capture it for a second week. I think that like nobody is thinking that this is going to be a long run, but it would be fun to sit back at the end of this year and say, Hey, remember those two weeks when the Texans looked like the best team in football. On the other hand, you have the jets who are just like wandering in the wilderness in terms of their quarterback situation they don't have a lot of prospects there is motive motivation is going to be uh, a factor for this game and I just think that like Houston riding that win of last week is going to come in and be like you know what that was fun and that kicked ass all week around the facility let's ride that feeling and it's more of just kind of like a human nature game for me where one team is riding high uh has it together and the other seems to be moving quickly in the other direction. I appreciate you diving into the intangibles here. And I love this pick really because of one man, Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is not a great quarterback, but I really think that Tyrod Taylor is a competent quarterback who has been screwed over for reasons completely unrelated to him over the last couple of years. He started week one against the Jaguars before getting hurt and missing the next 10 weeks. He was 
pretty good. The Texans did not look like the worst team in football when they beat the Jaguars in week one. And then Tyrod Taylor goes out. They look like the second worst team or the third worst team in football for two or three months. Now Tyrod Taylor's back. They walk in, they beat Tennessee. I love Tyrod Taylor. I think he raises the floor of this ceiling significantly. Then you add that in with the momentum that you mentioned, Kyle, coming off a huge win like that over the number one seed in the AFC. And three points does not seem like a big enough line. What do we got at number three? Number three, we have the aforementioned Tennessee Titans. They are five and a half point underdogs against the Patriots. And I love the Titans on that pick. I think that the Patriots are probably going to win. Money line is a different discussion entirely, but five and a half points is a lot to give a New England team that has not been very good at home this year. I think that it's an undeserved home field advantage. They're assuming this Patriots team is the same one that we've seen for the last two decades, more or less, and they're not. And combine that with the fact that I am a firm believer in when a team has an everything goes wrong game, as the Titans did last week, despite my admiration of Tyrod Taylor, they had literally everything go wrong. Everything will go right the next week. And so I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to be tricked into throwing four interceptions against the Patriots defense. I don't think the Titans are going to turn the ball over nearly as much in general. I don't think the defense is going to fall into complete pieces against Mac Jones and this Patriots offense. I don't know if they'll win, but I know that Mike Rabel gets up when he comes to New England to face his old boss, play in his old city. And I feel really great about them covering it a five and a half. Me too. I like, I mean, I think there was a very weird thing that happened in Nashville last weekend. And you say about the odds makers treating this New England team, which a lot of people, it's the trendy thing to say that they're the best team in football. They're not the best team in football. Like they're on a nice run. They might go places, but they are not the most fearsome, feared, can beat you in any different way team in football. Like, and you would say that even as a fan, it's a lot of points. And let's talk about the last time it's the elephant in the room to me too. It's like, it's not like the Titans are going to be walking into Gillette with this mystique. They ended the Tom Brady era there. Like the last time that they were there, they won that playoff game and they won it handily. It's not as though there's going to be nerves. It's not as though they're going to be like blinded by the bright lights. Like you said, it's inarguable that the Patriots have been one team on the road this year and another at home. I love the Titans and all those points. I do think that you could get a little bit greedy here where you try to take the money line and the points and try to have it both ways, uh, like Arby's or whoever wants to use that phrase. Uh, that's that's open source. You can have that one. I, I love the pick, and I love that you have the integrity to admit that your team may be on the wrong side of a line. When it comes to betting, I don't mess around. Fandom can't play a part there. Our number two pick this week, you know, I had written down Falcons over Jaguars and I had full intention of doing that, but I don't really want to talk about that game. It's one of the several pick them at this point. And I think it's worth pointing out that like at this point in the season, the odds makers are saying these teams don't even deserve a line. And I love that pettiness, uh, you, you know, work harder and we'll give you a line next time. But one there is an actual number attached to is the chargers two and a half point favorites over the Broncos. 
I might be the world's biggest Chargers fan based on how I pick them every single week and how I say, ah, Justin Herbert's going to get the job done. Tell you what, my man, Justin Herbert got the job done against Pittsburgh, even as the defense decided to go on vacation a little bit early and let the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, who has one leg and one arm and one eye, and, and I don't know, one, one logo on the side of his helmet, uh, put up a million points. But they got the job done with some busted coverage. It takes a little luck. It takes everybody. It takes a village. I don't know. Is that a phrase? People used to say that. It was like a Hillary Clinton thing. Kind of weird. We'll probably edit that out. But I love how tough the Chargers are. The Broncos, I, there's, just a, there's just a cap on how offensive their offense can be. And we know that going in. And the defense doesn't play a great game. They don't have a chance to win. Yeah, they have the capacity to pull a shutout against the Cowboys, but I think that was a confluence of events that we're not going to see again. The Chargers just have too many playmakers and weapons, and part of why Herbert has progressed so much is he's got really dynamic receivers to throw the ball to. Look no further than the game-winning touchdown with big play Mike Williams, who had been extremely underutilized in that offense. What's bolt up? We're going to trust it. It's a divisional game. The Chargers got to have it. The Broncos got to have it. I'm going to pick the team that I feel confident has the ability to put the ball in the end zone multiple times. Yeah, I think there's a chance that this game goes down to the wire because it's in Denver. It's a divisional game, like you said, but that's the beauty of this line. Two and a half, a last second field goal to win it for Los Angeles means you cover and you get your money. I believe in Justin Herbert more, way more than I believe in Teddy Bridgewater, even if the Chargers do have a lot of the classic attributes of a young team, look no further than last week. But they're a young team with an immense amount of talent, like you said, at the skill positions. Austin Eckler is an absolute beast. And I, I just don't believe in the Broncos. This has everything to do with the Broncos and it does the Chargers here. I mean, the Broncos are a very fine team with no real defining attribute. And that's why they're underdogs at, you know, mile high, which used to be one of the better road environments, in the NFL, one of the more difficult road environments, in the NFL to play. I think Justin Herbert takes this one. You started this podcast, very optimistic, very confident. What are you most confident in this weekend? I am most confident in a Thanksgiving day game. It is not the lions game. Rest assured, you don't have to hear us try to talk ourselves into a Lions win or cover again. Uh, I love the Raiders, who are seven-point underdogs against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving this week. I think that's a crazy high line, considering how the Cowboys played on Sunday. Now, obviously, the Cowboys had a lot of injury issues that really sunk them offensively. The defense played really, really well, all things considered. Because this is a short week, the Cavalry isn't coming in to save the Cowboys here. You know, CeeDee Lamb had a, uh, was out with a concussion, unsure what his status is. Amari Cooper definitely missing the game due to COVID. Tyron Smith likely to be out again. These are three very, very important players who, whose absence last week proved that the Cowboys need a lot to go their way in order to survive without them. Now the Cowboys are at home. It's a Thanksgiving game. The last time they got blown up by a team, they beat the tar out of their next week's opponent, but a seven point line. I think it's really hard to not take a Raiders squad that has been on a slide recently, but I think that, you know, for a game like this, 
this is their Super Bowl in all likelihood. They're not going to do anything this year. I think those, these players know that. If, if they're going to do anything, a win streak needs to start now. They're going to show up for this game. I think Max Crosby has a big day. I think Derek Carr looks more like the guy who dominated defenses in the first month of the season than the guy who's shown up the last month with all the stuff going on around the franchise. I feel really good about this as a cover and maybe a money line. If I could don my coach's cap here uh, in the final minutes of this podcast and say, when you have a short week like this and you have a Thanksgiving day game it's a weird atmosphere it's an interesting atmosphere both these teams want to just move on and try to turn the page after some really bad recent disappointment I kind of feel like it's a total clean slate you have no idea what you're going to get it's almost like go out there and play and I think that what happens on Thanksgiving day games as a veteran of watching many a Lions one it's just kind of like it you roll it out there it's like a pickup hoops game it's kind of like they figure it out on their own and it's way more unpredictable than any other week because it's just like you have teams that are like, they're not fully prepped. They're not fully prepared. They're thinking about the holidays. They're doing all that stuff. And because of that, I always like taking the underdog if it's a sensible team and the Raiders are certainly a sensible team because they have shown us this year that they can score points that they can win important football games that on any given day, they look like a playoff caliber team. It's so many points. It's just so many points. You want to be sitting there. It's in the late afternoon. Nothing's better than you got a little buzz on. You're into the football and you're like, you know what? I'm already up by a touchdown and a hook. And you hope the Raiders get the first one and you start celebrating. You start drinking a little heavily. You start having more fun. And then you just root that the back door doesn't open and burn you in the end. And you want to know what? That's what I want for everybody. I want everybody on the Raiders. I want everybody enjoying being the underdog, uh, thinking about how much they don't like Cousin Sal, um, Jerry Jones, his problematic pass, all that stuff. I want us, we are, we are Las Vegas and we are pulling for them. And I totally agree with that number one pick. Hell yeah. All right, that's best of seven. Those were our NFL picks. Keep it tuned here. We're going to have succession recap after succession. Interesting episode last week. Where's it going? I don't know. Liam's on the Press Pass podcast. I'm on the Kyle Coster podcast. We write for thebiglead.com, and we appreciate you tuning in and logging on. 